Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joseph Armacost, how are you today? Just happy as a clam to be here. Monday, crazy news weekend. We could have done shows on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Trump, Kim in, uh, in Singapore. Trying to figure out how to get rid of the world's nuclear threats. Media going mm-hmm. crazy, losing their minds. One of the greatest answers to a question I've ever seen by Trump, who just drops a neutron bomb on a CNN reporter, which I love. I'm going to start the show with that. Um, I missed something on Friday about the James Wolf indictment, mm. the leaker from the Senate, something huge. Huh. Forgive me, because I didn't have a chance to read the full indictment before I got on the air. I didn't want to talk out of my caboose. But interesting little development here, Joseph, along the lines of something we've been saying for months. If you're a regular listener, remember the Miami Vice analogy, and it'll all start to make sense now. Don't go anywhere. All right. Today's show brought to you by buddies at WaxRx. Just used this the other day. I'm going to have to use it today again because I'm getting a haircut, and I hate when those little hairs get in your ear. It drives me crazy. Got to clean your ears out. You know how much I love my sponsors, and I will only work with companies that I believe in. And if they have a product or service that's a value to you and me, because I care about what you guys use and I use. I'm not going to give you guys any garbage. This is a terrific product. I love it. WaxRx is not the sexiest product to talk uh, talk about, but as I've told you, even I had to deal with earwax buildup because the earpiece I wore all day in the Secret Service used to drive me crazy. Get all kinds of earwax problems, couldn't hear a darn thing, which is really terrible, and your ears would itch and be it was really annoying. This story I'm about to share illustrates how the uh, right product can change your life. This is from a listener whose nephew had his life changed by Wax RX. My nephew, Brandon, dreamed of becoming an EMT and entered training. However, he quickly discovered he could not hear through his steth- uh, stethoscope. Say it. Say it. Without being able to hear the patient's breathing or heartbeats, he simply wasn't going to successfully complete his EMT training. I recommended he try Wax RX and he used it to clean his ears. Amazingly, he removed a large blockage of wax from both sides. Instantly, he could hear everything, including through his stethoscope. <laughs> How much wood could a woodchuck chuck? See, now I can hear, but I can't speak. Maybe Wax RX should develop a throat clearing product, <laughs> right? Come on, guys. Good seg, dude. Yeah, you like that? With his <laughs> yeah. stethoscope, with his hearing restored, he finished his training and is now an EMT. It's a true story. Uh, right now, you can try the Wax RX system by typing in GoWaxRx.com. That's GoWaxRx.com. Use the offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. This is a great product, folks. Don't wait. You have no idea what you might be missing because of inner earwax. Who knows? It might just change your life. Visit GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN. Okay. A lot to talk about. First, let's just play this right out of the chute. It has almost no news value whatsoever other than the fact that I sent it to Joe over the weekend and probably listened to this I don't know, 15, 20 times, because I just love how Trump just backhands the media at every opportunity. So just a little setup. He's in Singapore. Uh, excuse me. He's in the G7. He's about to leave. And a, a flunky CNN reporter who's not really asking a question, but trying to make a statement is trying to embarrass Trump by suggesting he's leaving the G7 early, which are our allies, to go... Uh, to meet with Kim because Trump might be more comfortable with like dictators and stuff. So it's not a question. It's a slap in the face. And listen to the, uh, this is just classic Donald Trump play that cup. As you were heading into these G7 talks, there was a sense that uh, the American closest allies were frustrated with you and angry with you and that you were angry with them and that you were leaving here early to go meet for more friendlier talks with Kim Jong-un in Singapore. And I'm wondering if you, if you, if you view it the same way, and do you view the U.S. alliance system shifting under your presidency yeah. away? Who are you with, Advocate Yassin? CNN. I figured. Fake news, CNN. The worst. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I can tell by the question. I have no idea you were CNN. After the question, I was just curious as to who you're with. You were CNN. That's... <laughs> it goes on. <laughs> it's a three-minute cut, and he interested time in the cut. You know, he fillets the guy after that, too. But that is just classic Donald Trump. And one of the best parts of that cut, by the way, is if you rewind it and listen to it again, you'll see when Trump goes, um, 
Hey, who are you with? The guy goes CNN. Listen to the guy in the background who starts laughing. I don't know if it's a Trump staffer. I don't know who it is. But whoever it was who started laughing in the background, rewind it on the podcast. Listen again. You have the 15-second back button, right? Listen to the guy who laughs in the back. Whoever that is, brother, sister, whoever it was. Sounds like a dude. You have my un. Unending support, undying support. That is really funny. They're like, who are you from? Seeing on here. <laughs> like, big clowns. What a bunch of jokers. Hey, leave me like I'll talk to a dictator, more friendly guy. What a dope. Who you with? Who you with? CNN. Oh, CNN. Yeah, fake news. CNN. I, I love it. I love it. That's why I love this guy. He takes absolutely no guff from these guys at all. He just backhands them right in the face every time and just makes them look unbelievably stupid every time they open their dopey mouths unreal Whap. gosh that was i love that one the laughing guy in the background's a bit listen to it again you won't miss it now next time that's the funniest part of the whole thing all right there was really not much news value to that other than because uh, it's cnn there is no news value it was just really funny and i wanted to get off the week uh to a good start so trump is in north korea you know listen folks we'll see what comes out of it we'll cover it uh excuse me as in singapore speaking with the north koreans uh We'll cover if if any news breaks. I'm, you know, I'm not that optimistic about it. I think Trump's doing the right thing. I mean, I think if the North Koreans can commit to some what they're calling now complete, verifiable, and irreversible denuclearization, then great. Um, if they don't, Joe, my opinion is we're not going to be any worse off than we are now. Right. We're at the threat of. Uh, you know, thermonuclear war now, the North Koreans clearly have at least the missile technology, maybe not the reentry technology on the reentry warhead to attack us, but they do have the technology to at least in the missile, they have a delivery system now. Uh, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. obviously. So we'll see what comes out of it. Um, I did Fox and Friends this morning. They asked me about Secret Service coordination and just quickly. One of the hassles about trips like this, I remember when I coordinated the signing of the Star Treaty for the Secret Service in Prague with the Russians, one of the big things you got to worry about with this, Joe, is deconfliction. You know, the blue on blue incidents. Mm, yeah. Listen, the hard truth is, to listen, if you're, a, if you're a goon, a criminal, or a terrorist out there thinking of attacking the Singapore summit, the chances of you succeeding, thankfully, are infinitesimally low. The Secret Service are the best in the world at what they do. We've had our foibles and mistakes. We've had our mix-ups. But I'm telling you right now, I worked there for 12 years. The men and women there are no joke, and they're not fooling around. You have almost no chance of leaving there uh, breathing oxygen if you were to try this. It's not going to go well for you. But one of the big hang-ups on big things like this, Joe, is the deconfliction. In other words, blue on blue. And when you're working with security services like the North Koreans, Joe, mm-hmm. who have almost zero experience working out of country. Yeah. You know, you don't want an overreaction. I mean, these are, this is a tyrannical regime. The North Korean security service want to whack you. They'll just whack you. There's, they don't have to, I mean, it's, that's what, you know, communist socialist monsters do. And we have to explain to them in Singapore a lot. And, and when you deal with places like this and Hey guys, we don't work that way. Okay. You know, I was almost afraid sometimes to report a threat to some of them in these regimes that are a little, you know, that, that had this tyrannical side mm-hmm. because you don't want to get anybody whacked yourself. Okay, that guy's suspicious on the corner. No, no, don't decapitate him, please. We were ju- we just meant move him back on the curb. It's I mean, it's not a joke, right? Yeah. Like you're left, but half the time you're like seriously concerned about it. And when you're dealing with the North Koreans, um, you know, it's a deconfliction between blue on blue incidents and overreaction is a big deal. So I did a little Fox and Friends hit this morning, discuss that a little bit. All right, uh, a lot going on. Let me get to some quick news stories first. Um, Then I'm going to cover this. There was a bombshell hidden in the indictment on Friday that I missed because I didn't have time to read it. And I don't like to do the show if I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'll get to that in a second. Uh, This is a crisis at the National Archives. What the hell? Who cares about that? What's going on? Folks, I have an article in the show notes today at Bongino.com. I can't encourage you strongly enough to read from Real Clear Politics. Again, for an administration, the Obama administration, Joe, that continues to lie to the American people and tell them they were scandal free. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how they continue to find themselves knee deep in both major, minor and mid-level scandals such as the one I'm about to tell you. Mm -hmm. The National Archives, where we accumulate records, historical records on the presidency and things like that. Our government, how our government functions. They have a librarian over there is a world class guy. 
And Joe, he's saying, hey, listen, we got a little bit of a problem with the Obama administration. That problem is, I'm quoting, here's the wholesale loss and destruction of records. Oh, oh, the scandal-free Obama administration. Now we have records. Yeah, crazy how that happens, Joe, right? (laughs) We have the wholesale loss and destruction of records. We're trying to rewrite history, maybe? Making... uh, uh, potential indictable or uh, illicit or moral material disappear on your on your on your uh, malicious activities while you were in office. So just to be clear, the National Archives catalogs and stores governmental records. The librarian over there runs. It's like, hey man, we oh, I, I can't find the records. So there's a two prong problem here. This is important, folks. Mm-hmm. Another one of those non-scandal scandals the Obama team always finds themselves in for the messiah of the left, by the way. Number one, he's like, hey, they just destroyed stuff. I, I don't know what to tell you. We can't find it. It's not there. Pretty simple to understand. Records, we store them. Obama team, where's your records? I don't know. Well, what happened? I don't know. We lost. Joe, air quotes. We lost them. Oh, amazing how that happens for the relatively scandal-free Obama administration. Secondly, there are other people saying, listen, a lot of these records that should have appeared in the National Archives are not going to appear. Well, why? Because there was the widespread use in the Obama administration of private emails, not on the government system. So a lot of records that would have existed in the form of electronic files and email Electronic mail is now gone because they were using private emails that they cannot trace back and can't find. They can't find the communications. We had this with the EPA administrator, Lisa Jackson. We had this with Hillary Clinton. We had this with Barack Obama. This private email network to evade detection, to evade communication standards, to evade archiving. Again, folks, nothing to see here. The Obama administration, totally scandal-free, except for the IRS, the GAO, the VA, Fast and Furious. Now we have this record scandal, Hillary's email scandal. But other than that, Joe, nothing, Benghazi, nothing to see here. Nothing happened under the Spygate. They were the most corrupt administration in modern U.S. history. The Iran deal, (laughs) the list goes on and on and on. Again, not... Not much to add to it other than just to debunk the nonsense on the left that this was somehow scandal free. This was scandal full. And every week we're seeing these new creeping indications of more deep and layered corruption in the Obama administration. Last week we had the story about the Iran deal mm-hmm. that they were encouraging U.S. banks to clear Iranian money held in Omani banks because it's notoriously difficult to. to uh, convert Omani Rials to a, you know money they can use, U.S. currency, euros. So they, the uh, Obama administration, in contrast to what they told Congress, was encouraging U.S. banks, potentially in violation of the law, to go and get involved in these tra- transactions to help the Iranians, the death to America crowd, convert their money from o- Omani Royals to uh, currency they could actually use. But that's not what they told Congress. Mm-hmm. Every week, Joe, it creeps out what corrupt, what, you know, disgusting, filthy corruption was happening in this administration. Yep. Incredible. All right. I got a lot of news stories, too. So I want to get to that. But I do want to cover this, the Miami Vice story. You'll get it in a minute. I promise. All right. uh, Just uh, quickly here. Omaha Steaks as well. I love Omaha Steaks. They sent me a, they sent me a a trial packet. It was good. I am, I'll be honest with you, folks. I'm not a ribeye guy. I'm not really a filet mignon guy. The Omaha Steaks filet mignons are killer. You don't even got to chew them, Joe. Just sit there. Just let that. Ah, they're gummable. Yeah. They're gummable. You need all right. gums. You, that's all you need. It's that good. It's that it's so flavorful. I don't know what the heck they're doing in meat over there, but it's so good. Father's Day is just around the corner. You try to find the perfect gift for Father's Day? Does your dad love to grill but hate the hassle and poor quality at the grocery store? Yeah, my local grocery store. The meat's not so good. That's why I love Omaha Steaks. What better way to kick off grilling season than by gifting an Omaha Steaks Father's Day package to dad? That's the way to roll. I lo- I'm telling you, I was not a filet mignon guy. I was a ribeye guy. And I kid you not, I am now. But only Omaha Steaks filet mignons. I don't like the other ones. They're so good. These are delicious. Their meat is incredible over there. 
All right. Uh, let's see. Omaha Steaks delivers hand trim, flash frozen, and vacuum seal meats directly to your door in an Omaha Steaks cooler. That vacuum seal makes a difference, by the way. The meat is so juicy. It's not like that store packaging in the grocery store where, you know, sometimes you get the meat, it's dried out. You don't get that with Omaha Steaks. Pork, poultry, veal, lamb, bison, seafood, vegetables, all the highest quality cuts with a one of a kind flavor. All beef is USDA inspected for quality and aged for 21 days to unlock the full flavor and tenderness of the cuts. So tender. We love it. Omaha Steaks even gives you the option to customize cuts for your dad's grilling needs. Find recipes, wine pairings, etc. Folks, Omaha Steaks offers everything your dad could want for his grilling needs. Don't miss it. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited time offer to my listeners for Father's Day. I'm not messing. This is the right number, by the way. At 78% off. Oof. That's right. At 78% off, this is really an amazing deal. Go to omahasteaks.com. And this is how you do it. Type Bongino, my last name, in the search bar. So let me just say that again. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Bongino in the search bar, and you can get this Omaha Steaks Father's Day package, which includes two tender filet mignons, my favorite, two beefy top sirloins, four chicken fried steaks, two boneless pork chops, four all-beef Omaha Steak burgers, which are pretty amazing, four gourmet jumbo franks, my daughter loves those, 12 ounces of all-beef meatballs, one pound of steak fries, could eat those myself, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha Steak seasoning packet, plus Get four more grill-ready Omaha Steaks burgers free with purchase. Again, get this limited-time package for only $49.99 when you go to omahasteaks.com and type Bongino in the search bar and add this Father's Day package to your cart. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. omahasteaks.com. Type Bongino in the search bar. Grab your dad and fire up the grill. Fire it up! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I like Omaha Steaks. You can tell I'm a meat eater. <laughs> Okay, let me get to this story because this is another one of those bing, pow, boom. Remember Joe Pesci <laughs> yeah. and Goodfellas when he, when he's, uh, when he, what is he talking? He's talking about like uh, beating a guy up or something. He's like, bing, pow, boom, bing. I'm <laughs> sorry, just the movie quotes. I love, love them. I, I can't get a, nah, nah, now you guys, now you guys can't leave from Bronx. I'm all attacked. Um, so if you were listening to my show a while ago, I said to you that something is going on behind the scenes with the leaks. Do you remember the yeah, show? Sure I see do. you shaking your head there. There were a number of notable leaks that turned out to be wrong, but wrong on one specific point. Leaks to the media, and they were wrong, but the core of the story wasn't wrong. In other words, they were leaks designed to be believable so that the media would report them, mm -hmm. but they were wrong on one key critical fact. And I had said to you, gosh, what was this, two, three months ago, Joe? Yeah, I don't know. Not, I mean, not I'm, too much I'm just ago. telling you for the regular listeners will remember this. And I used an analogy to describe what I thought was happening. If you ever see the movie Miami Vice with, um, uh, what's it, Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx, there's a part in the movie where they play um, Sonny and uh, what is it, Ricardo Tubbs. And they believe there's a law enforcement leaker working with the drug dealers to evade detection. In other words, there's a, there's a leaker in, the, in one of the police departments telling the drug dealers like, hey, don't do this, don't do that, they're on to you. So what they do is they set up this big drug deal and in order to catch who the leaker is, they make the drug deal obviously believable and they make it real, but they change the day strategically on the leak. So he says to uh, Sonny, uh, says to Ricardo, he says, listen, or Ricardo tells Sonny, he says, tell the DEA that the deal's going to go down on Tuesday. Tell the FBI, what is it, OSADEF or whatever, that it's going to go down on Wednesday. Tell Miami PD it's going to go down on Thursday. Figuring that when the drug dealer who they're working with undercover comes back to them, that they'll figure out who the leaker is. So the drug dealer comes back to him a couple, whatever, a couple days later and says, hey, uh, they got wind of the deal coming down on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So like, oh, look, the leak is in the DEA because they only told the DEA Tuesday. Does that make sense, yep. folks? I use that story because analogies are important, understanding the complicated case we're dealing with here. The Sessions uh, DOJ, which I told you was working on some stuff. I understand your objections to Sessions. Again, I'm not here to relitigate that. We've done it over two, three weeks of shows and I don't want to bore you to death. 
but I'm not going to lie to you and tell you things aren't going on. They are. I've been telling you over and over, there are very detailed, complicated leak investigations going on behind the scenes, working similarly to the story I just told you from the Miami Vice movie, where I'm absolutely convinced there are strategic leaks of information being put out to possible leakers, rodents within the department. And when the information comes out with one wrong fact, like in Miami Vice, the day of the deal, they figure out who the leaker is. Now, in case you think I'm making any of this up that this is going on, like, oh, come on, Dad, really? Mm -hmm. Joe, you have the cut ready? Yeah. Play this cut. Of course he does. He's Joe Armacost, the best producer in the business. Play this cut from Jeff Sessions from way back in 2017. Talking about the operation that's going on, I believe, to this day. Play that I cut. strongly agree with the president and condemn in the strongest terms the staggering number of leaks undermining the ability of our government to protect this country. Criminals who would illegally use their access to our most sensitive information to endanger our national security are, in fact, being investigated and will be prosecuted. Since January, the department has more than tripled the number of active leak investigations compared to the number pending at the end of the last administration. I have this message for our friends in the intelligence community. The Department of Justice is open for business, and I have this warning for would-be leakers. Don't do it. One of the things we are doing is reviewing policies affecting media subpoenas. We respect the important role that the press plays and will give them respect. But it is not unlimited. They cannot place lives at risk with impunity. We must balance the press's role with protecting our national security and the lives of those who serve in the intelligence community, the armed forces, and all law-abiding Americans. There it is. That's him. And was, I think it was August of 2017. Joe, we're almost dealing about a, a year mm-hmm. now. A year ago, I believe Dan Coates, the DNI, was at that as well. That session's a year ago. Again, I'm not going to get into a pro-con sessions thing. I've already laid that out. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, that was him telling the, the press and the leakers out there, don't do it because we're running ops right now. We are running ops right now to sniff you guys out and detect you. Conveniently... We now have the first arrest and prosecution, and we'll see potential conviction here um, on on whatever charges of James Wolf. Ironically, the the guy responsible for information security on the Senate Intelligence Committee, who is alleged to have leaked to a reporter. Hmm. So I read through the indictment, and by the way, just to be um, th- to be credit fairly here. I did uh, read this weekend as well. Someone sent me an article from Conservative Treehouse. They've been doing a good job, but they are on this as well. They have a really good timeline over there of this too, of the dates. Um, So just to, again, to be fair, they've been on this as well. It's not just, this is not Dan Bongino proprietary information, but we warned you about this months ago based on some good stuff that um, (laughs) this was happening. Now, Here's a fascinating timeline for you folks. Keep the Miami Vice story in your head. How they it looks like they fed information with one false fact in there to make it believable, but to root out who was leaking it, right? So we have here are the here are the stories you need to be concerned about. We have the Don Jr. WikiLeaks story. You know what? Let's go in order. Okay. December first yep. of twenty seventeen, Joe. Brian Ross, network reporter for ABC. Brian Ross reports this story about Mike Flynn. Remember the Mike Flynn story? Joy Behar had a meltdown on The View. Yeah, yeah. we got him. Yeah, looked like a complete dope. Brian Ross of ABC reports that Mike Flynn was instructed while Trump was a candidate to reach out to the Russians. The story, parts of it were true. Flynn did reach out to the Russians. But there was one key fact that was wrong. It wasn't when Trump was a candidate. It was when Trump was the president-elect and Flynn was the appointed national security advisor. In other words, nothing to see here at all. He's a national security advisor reaching out to a, a nuclear power. There was nothing to the story at all. The candidate story was a big flop. But the story in itself 
was because you can't have Joe, if you're going to feed false information to someone you believe is a leaker, if I feed it to you, Joe, and I think you're leaking it to the New York Times or whatever, I can't say, hey, Bozo the Clown is going to be my new campaign manager. Go report that to the New York Times. The guy's going to look at me like, dude, you're you're setting me up to look like an idiot, aren't you? I have to feed you information that look believable. So December 1st, 2017, we have this report from Brian Ross, Joe. Oh, Flynn. Oh, he was asked to reach out to the Russians as a candidate. Oh, everybody goes crazy. Of course, the story was false. Brian Ross was suspended over it. Joy Behar continued to humiliate herself as she does often on The View, but that's pretty much a daily thing. Just showing up. Yeah. Just showing showing up as a daily exercise in humiliation for Joy Behar. But this was, wouldn't you agree, this was particularly humiliating because she throws the thing up and he, yeah! She was like, it was like Bozo the Clown time, right? She looked completely ridiculous. The story's totally, completely ridiculous. He was not asked to do that as a candidate. So one piece of information is wrong. That's December 1st. After the presser, we obviously, we just played by Jeff Sessions. Second piece of information. December 5th, I remember because I was on the set of Outnumbered up at Fox. And, out, and when this came out, story breaks. Deutsche Bank records, the Deutsche Bank records of Donald Trump, his organization, Bob Mueller has them. The left, yeah, we got him, we got him. Bob Mueller's superhero. Bob Mueller's going after Trump's bank. He's got him, he's got him on something. Felonious Moparin, the umpteenth degree. Fanu Lanu, go get him, go get Fanu. They got him, Fanu, the Kaiser Sose of our time. They got Donald Trump. Again, a piece of the information was right. There was some kind of judicial document uh, given to Deutsche Bank for bank records, but it was not for Trump. It wasn't. The story, the top line story was right. The details were wrong. Again, another retraction comes. Again, I remember it vividly. I was on the set of Outnumber when they were during the break. They were like, "Uh oh, here's another one. And they're like, look at this Deutsche Bank story. December 8th, we have, this one's a doozy. This is like fits perfectly with the Miami Vice analogy. Breaking news. Don Jr., Don Trump Jr. was given the encryption key from WikiLeaks for this treasure trove of documents. Oh my gosh, this is it. The Holy Grail, the Rosetta Stone. Reminds me of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You have chosen wisely. The press figured we've got him now. We have finally, we have chosen the right story, collusion, Russiagate, and we have the Rosetta Stone. We have now, this whole thing is going to unravel right now. Don Jr. was given the encryption key for this data. <sighs> The problem is the date was wrong. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. What does the date matter? You're like, well, what does the date matter? Number one, Don Jr. never even answered the communication at all. It was like a spam thing. Mm-hmm. And secondly, the information had already come out. This encrypted information was so encrypted, Joe, it was available on the open source <laughs> internet anyway. In other words, anyone could have Googled it. Don Jr. got a secret back channel of information. That back channel's called <gasps> the internet. <gasps> <gasps> Why? <laughs> the information was already out there. It was already public. So again, was the story, was the top line story correct, Joe? Yes. Yeah. The top line story. That someone sent the communication from WikiLeaks to Don Trump Jr. about a, a, a trove of documents and here was an encryption key. Yes, but the date was wrong. The stuff was already public and Don Trump Jr. never answered it. So now you're re- my email's on my website. Am I responsible for every email someone sends me? No, of course yeah. not. So you have these three stories. December 1st, December 5th, December 8th is the Don Jr. story. Well, what happens if you read the indictment, which I've linked to, by the way, in the show notes? It's only about six pages. It's easy to read. I strongly encourage you to read it. On December 15th, Joe, this guy, James Wolf, this guy who has access and is, it could be the, is, well, now we, we, we know is alleged to have leaked all this information, right? Mm-hmm. This James Wolf cat, he's interviewed December 15th of 2017, Joe. 
December 1st, December 5th, December 8th, three strategic leaks. December 15th, they bring him in, but they've already had contact with him on October 30th of 2017, where it says they've interviewed him. Let me just ask you something here. Is it possible, Joe, that October 30th of 2017, when they first make contact, Mm -hmm. that they're already setting up this operation with Wolf? In other words, hey, we're going to feed you some information here, Daddy-O, which you're going to hit that guy, which yeah. you're going to feed out. And we're going to watch these dopes in the media go, oh, <laughs> lap it up like a bunch of lap dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think we're going to. I think so. You like that? I yeah. like that. Now, I didn't I didn't catch on to the day because I didn't read the I, indictment. I, I didn't have a chance on Friday. I'm sorry. I just wanted to get the news. I had so much to talk about. But again, a hat tip to the, the conservative treehouse guys. They have a nice timeline mm. too. They have a couple other pieces of information thrown in there as well. Um, you may want to check out. But I've always been concerned with these three. These are the three we've focused on: the Deutsche Bank story, the uh, Don Trump Jr. story, and the Brian Ross story about Mike Flynn. Yeah, which seemed did. like obvious efforts to ferret out a mole, to ferret out a, a leaker. Now they meet so. Just to be clear again, I'm going to quickly through the topic because I'm going to give you another piece of information, which I think is going to hammer this home. They meet with Wolf probably at this point. Let me just explain to you quickly something on federal investigation so you understand why I'm telling you this. They meet with him in October of 2017 before these strategically uh, placed pieces of information with the wrong information come out. Federal investigations, they differ from local investigations. I was both a New York City cop and a federal agent. And I've said this before, but it's important you understand the distinction here so you understand the mechanics behind the scene. When you're a local cop, you show up as a, as a fireman, right? Mm-hmm. You'll, in other words, you show up on the scene putting out a fire. There are two people duking it out in the street. Mm-hmm. You get a call, hey, my neighbor is a guy crawling in his window. You're stopping a robbery. You're stopping an assault. Hey, there's a guy trying to throw a kid in his car. God forbid you try to stop a kidnapping. You're a fireman. You're there to put out that fire, and then you arrest them, and you draw and you draw up the charging document later. In other words, you go into the precinct. You got the man or woman in handcuffs mm-hmm. breaking into the house. And you write at whatever eleven p.m. on Saturday night. I saw a uh, uh, perpetrator, uh, whatever Joey Bag of Donuts crawling in the window. Right. You see what I'm saying, Joe? Crime, yeah. write up charging documents right. later. The federal system does not work that way, folks. Why? Because federal agents don't go out on patrol. They get reports from people. So in other words, when I was a federal agent doing financial crimes, I worked often with bank fraud investigators. Bank fraud investigators that work from the bank would call the Secret Service office in New York and Long Island where I worked, and they would say, hey, uh, you know, can I speak to Bongino? I've worked with him before. Yeah, hey, it's Dan Bongino. What's up? Hey, Dan, it's, uh, you know, Bob so-and-so. Hey, uh, but the guy's first name was Bob. So, so this is one of the guys I work with. All. I'm not going to say his last name, but he was a former Nassau County cop. He was a great guy. I got this case. I've got a whole boatload of information on false, false credit card charges he was making. We think he's counterfeiting credit cards. The invest, you don't just go out and arrest them. That's not the way the federal system works because the assistant United States attorneys you have to get authorization for prosecution from are not going to authorize that until you have the case bundled up. Mm-hmm. So in order to bundle up the case, because Joe, this is important. Yeah. You didn't witness it. You're not out on patrol. You didn't see him in the Home Depot with a false credit card buying plywood. Mm-hmm. You're just getting a secondhand report. That's correct. As a cop, you see it. Hey, look, I saw this guy break. It's different. The level of probable cause as a first-hand account witness is completely different than getting it from a bank fraud investigator who tells you something. You know, to be candid, Joe, you're not taking his word for it. You go in court and you swear by it, and it turns out to be wrong, you're going to potentially lose your job. Right. Kind of sound like the Christopher Steele information and the FISA warrant. You. The FBI agents. Yes, we swear what Christopher Steele said is true. Where did Christopher Steele get it? He got it from Ed Baumgartner and the Fusion. Who'd they get it from? They got it from the Russians. Now you see why I'm so PO'd about the FISA court thing? If I walked into court and said, hey, Bob so-and-so from Bank of America called me with this credit card information and I'm here to swear it's true and it turns out later to be false, my butt's on the line. That's exactly what the FBI did in the Christopher Steele Fusion GPS dossier case. Scam. Scam. It's my obligation. This is important as the setup for this leak case. 
Because when you go into court and you try to get subpoenas or you're trying to get an arrest warrant or you're putting together a case, at the federal level, Joe, that case better be tied up in a neat little bow or the prosecutors at the federal level who are super busy in the United States Attorney's Office will throw your butt right out of there. I say that because if they interviewed this guy, James Wolfe, Joe, if you read the indictment on October 30th of 2017, what does that mean to you? That means they probably had Wolf hook, line, and sinker. They probably had this guy on video. They probably had photos of this guy with the reporters. They probably had this guy lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. He had no way out. Why is that important? Joe, it's October 30th, 2017. Those strategic leaks come out December 1st, 5th, and 8th. Let me just walk you through a possible scenario, Armacost. I know you like this. This is Joe's favorite part of the show, yes, by the way. He likes the inside baseball yeah. of the of law enforcement. So uh, forgive me if it's me and Joe. I'm, I'm talking for you, but I know Joe likes it. I can even see how he pays attention yeah. to stuff. So here's what probably happened. October 30th, they walk in there, Joe. They put a DVD on the table labeled James Wolf, Ali Watkins, or whatever, the reporter from BuzzFeed he's alleged to have leaked to, right? They probably put the DVD on the table. They write the name on it. They probably have this uh, this envelope, pictures, James Wolf, Ali Watkins. You know what, you know what I would do? Mm-hmm. I would take the manila envelope. I would take those little metal things, straighten them out so you could open it. And I would dump those pictures all over the table and go, Jimmy, Jimmy. Here you go, buddy. Chef Day! Chef Day! You want to come in here for this? And I would put those all on the table, and I'd be like, hey, Jimbo, tell you what. Yeah, this is exactly what I would do. I would say, you take a look at these photos. I'm going to go get some coffee. Well, you want one? You want a coffee? Anything? Light, light yeah. and sweet? Yeah, black? How do you like it, Jimbo? I'll be back in about 20 minutes. You take a look and digest this. Uh, you know, like cows chew the cud, buddy. Chew the yeah. cud. You look at these photos, you array them in a nice, however you want. You put them together in a little square, a little photo. You want to you pocket a copy? We'll make you extras for yourself, okay? Here you go, pal. You can trade them like baseball cards. Here's a Ali Watkins for a Manu Raju or whatever, the other <laughs> report. You do whatever you want to do. But I'm going to be back in 20 minutes, Jimbo. Jimmy, you check these out. Okay. You come back 20 minutes later. Remember, it's October 30, 2017. Jimbo, you got something to say to us? Now, Jimbo, not being a dumb guy who's yeah. worked in the Senate, and uh, I believe he was a military, I was in the military before that. Jimbo is not dumb. Jimbo probably comes back in, and uh, after the agent comes back in and goes, hey, um, what do I need to do? Mm. Jimbo, let me give you a possibility here, Jimbo. We're going to give you some information for you and your buddies. You're going to call your reporter friends and you're going to tell them on uh, December 1st that Mike Flynn, as a when Trump was a candidate, was ordered to uh, contact the Russians. On December 5th, we're going to tell you there's a Deutsche Bank subpoena for Trump's bank records. On December 8th, we're going to tell you that uh, Don Jr., that the WikiLeaks communicated with him some secret encryption channel to the open internet, but you're not going to tell him the open internet part. You're going to get the date wrong. We're going to backdate it. And we're just going to see what happens there, Jimbo. How does that sound? Now, did they do it directly to Jimbo? Did they do it to someone Jimbo knows? Did they do it to... Now, did they not... There's a, Let me just be clear. There's a distinct possibility. J- James Wolfe... The guy who's uh, now under uh, under federal charges, there's a distinct possibility, Joe, they did none of this to him. Mm-hmm. Now, you may say, why'd you just go through that whole thing? Yeah. Because there may be someone else they're working with, too. I'm absolutely sure they did it to someone. It could be Wolf, but it may be someone else. Now, you may say, well, why would you say that? Because, Joe, if they've been talking since October 30th and the yeah. indictment was under seal until June 7th of 2018, just last week, these charges were under seal. How do you know there's not other people under seal? Basically, reporter class, hack liberal media goons out there trying to make the Trump team look stupid. Here's my warning for you. And I'm, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You guys may be setting yourself up for mega disaster right now. I'm just telling you, 
You may, I, I doubt anyone in the media is going to be prosecuted, Joe, but your sources, mm-hmm. you thought you were helping, you may have been set up the whole time. In your effort to use anonymous sources, Joe, rather than on-the-record sourcing, and you know, listen, people have used anonymous sources in the past, I'm not, uh, but it's clear under the Trump administration, anonymous sources have been taken to the next level. And in your efforts to make Trump look bad and not double and triple source information, you may have gotten played. The entire time. The timeline adds up. Maybe Wolf, just to be clear, Joe, maybe Wolf they were using. It may have been someone else. But I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they were like, Jimbo, Jimmy boy, let's play this little DVD of you in a restaurant with those reporters. Ah, what? You don't know them. You know, what's that? Who's that? Oh, oh, look at Oh, oh, the reporter you said you didn't know. How'd you wind up at the same table? Gee, I don't know. I was in the outback and eating by myself, and this reporter just showed up, and we were there for three hours. Wow, that's crazy, Jimbo. That's just how that, that's amazing how that happens only to you, buddy. Now, here's another tidbit of information that leads me to believe there's something going on here. The charges. Read the indictment. Folks, I've again, repeatedly stated to you that 1001 lying to a federal agent, that that's uh, uh, the United States code uh, charges, the charge numbers 1001 lying to federal investigators. I'm telling you from experience is generally, excuse me, is generally a, a, a sham charge. Not a sham charge in that it's false. I'm not alleging it's, it's a real charge. I mean, you could charge people with lying to federal agents. Mm-hmm. In my experience as a federal agent, you charge 1001 for only one of two reasons. Reason number one. <laughs> I'm not laughing. It's not funny. But you have absolutely nothing else. You nothing. You've got nothing on the guy. Now, I, I, I tell the story. This is a funny story. I'm sitting there in the Eastern District of New York. Uh, the courthouse used to be over in East Meadow. I don't think it's there anymore. They moved it out to, uh, gosh, it's out in, I think, Suffolk County now. They used to have a courthouse in East Meadow. I'm in there one day with my own guy getting ready for an initial appearance on an arrest we made as Secret Service agents. And you're getting ready to appear in front of the judge. And, you know, you'll sit there in court with five or six other bad guys and, and DEA and IRS and FBI. Mm-hmm. You, know, it, you know, the judge doesn't just show up for you. So we're sitting there in court on, I forget what the charge was, counterfeiting, whatever. It doesn't matter. But these IRS agents in front of us go before us in front of the judge and they just arrested a guy for... 1001 false statements. And I'll never forget the look on the judge's face. I don't remember if it was a he or a she, forgive me, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And because I remember the glasses, the glasses come down, you know, drop down on the nose. She looks over the glasses or he looks over the glasses, right? Looks at the IRS guys. And there's like this pause and I can tell some, there's like a neutron bomb's going to drop on them. Right. And, and she says to them, uh, so I, I've got a few guys today in here for major credit card fraud violations, financial fraud. We got a bunch of government conspirators. We got other people. And you guys bring a fibber, a fibber. Like she was making a joke. Like she was so astonished <laughs> that you bring in someone for lying. Like yeah. I only tell you that story because that's how unusual it is. It just doesn't happen often. It's not illegal to charge someone with it. It's it's. It's not unethical in some cases. It's just the reason number one is you typically have nothing else, which I don't know the details of that IRS case, but the judge did because she read the charging document, right? And she was like, you got a fibber. Like, that was it? That's what you got this guy on fibbing? The second reason you charge 1001 is because you do have something. Now, Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot because I'd love to do this lately. And I love your genuine, honest answers. Okay. I told you they probably walked in that room with a bunch of photos of Wolf with press people and videos and evidence and phone records and everything else. And they Mm -hmm. had this guy dead to rights on a very serious charge show. Not a joke. Leaking classified information. Mm -hmm. Multiple years in jail. A felony charge. So if you walk in there, Jim, hey, take a look at these pictures. Take a look at this video, right? You got this guy dead to rights. Right. And you need this guy, Joe, to feed the media people false information in the future, Joe. Mm Mm-hmm. Why do you think they would charge him with a lame 1001 charge rather than the more serious felony? Why do you think they would do that? They kind of want to take it easy so he's 
cooperative. Yes, 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 yes. Armacost. The audience ombudsman comes through. Absolutely. You don't want to let him go completely. You don't want to say to him, hey, don't worry about this whole thing. It's a just help us out. No, no. He's got to do some time for something because they got to send a message. But do you want to do 20 years for felony leaking? or what? Hey. I don't know what the sentence is. Or do you want to do the equivalent of federal jaywalking, which is 1001? And truth be told, maybe a couple months in jail, if any at all. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, sure. you tell the lawyer, here, Jim A, get your lawyer. Jimbo, here are the pictures. The lawyer's not dumb. The lawyer's looking at this too, going, "Hey, Jimbo, you're, you're screwed, brother. I, I can't. De- I can defend you on this case, but you're you're done. You're finished. You, we will get annihilated in court." Well, what do we do, uh, Mister Lawyer Joey Bag of Donuts? Well, ugh, I don't know. Let's try to work a deal. Bureau guy comes back in. Hey, we're going to talk to the United States Attorney. You know, the United States Attorney has to authorize all of this. The FBI cannot. They don't do that. They mm-hmm. the prosecuting phase of it is, but the United States Attorney will typically, you know, call back. There'll be a call back, and they may be even in on it on the interview, and they may arrange a proffer session, whatever it may be. And they say, "All right, listen, we're not going to charge you," which is they can perfectly. That's a, that's not illegal. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not going to charge you with the leak or the handling of sensitive information, mishandling of it. We are going to charge you with false statements in exchange for your cooperation, and a letter is written to the judge at the sentencing and all that stuff, and they get a break. That's how the federal system mm-hmm. works. The fact that, to tie this up for you, if you read the indictment, he's only charged with three counts of 1001, rather than the very serious charge of mishandling of information, uh-huh. sa- highly classified information, by the way, says to me that on October 30th or early December, someone said, Jimbo, Jimmy boy, we got a deal for you you can't refuse. We'll see. But I am not sure that this case is done. I think Wolf is the tip of the iceberg. I think after this IG report comes out, this internal affairs report on the mishandling of the Hillary case, you are going to see some more uh, uh, big, huge bombshells like this. Again, I get it. I understand the you know animosity towards Sessions, and all, but I just I strongly encourage you just to take some solace in the fact that. Guys, ladies, things are happening. They may not be happening at the pace we'd like, to the degree we'd like, but they are happening. Yeah. McCabe's already been referred out, the deputy director of the FBI for criminal prosecution. Wolf, is, Wolf has already been arrested and and, uh, and is being prosecuted right now. Um, things are happening. So take some solace in it. Again, I get it. Not to, I, I'm with you 100%. I'd like to see... You know, the people really responsible for this, I'd like to see the rule of law impact them like it impacts us. And it's really, it is frustrating, but things are happening and this is a big opening. And it says to me that there are a number of other leakers out there who have probably been subjected to the same, you know, whatever they are, John, Bobby, Maria, whatever. Hey, Maria, here you go. Uh, You've been leaking. Here you go. Here's the pictures we got. This has been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I got a couple other stories I want to get to. One. Big, big, huge news on Obamacare, which has been out of the news forever, but a really big story. It's important. And one quick one on the economy. Uh, but finally, today's show brought to you by buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. You know, I'm a big fan of Brickhouse Nutrition. They were my original sponsor, one of the finest nutrition supplement companies on the planet. Right. Yeah, they are great. But, but this product today, is not, it's not really a supplement. It's real food. Like, what do you mean real food? It's not a grocery store. No, 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 no. They figured it out, Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, here's the backstory. Their first product, Foundation, which is a creatine ATP blend, is incredible. I loved it. Their second product, Dawn to Dusk, which is a time-release energy pill, is fantastic, too. It's one of their most popular. But I said to him, I go, listen, I'm taking this fruit and vegetable extract supplement because I, I, I absolutely love fruits and vegetables. I mean, for obvious reasons, cognitive, health, brain, body, my skin, everything feels better when I take and eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. But my diet sometimes a little hectic when I'm on the road. So I was taking this fruit and vegetable supplement. And you know what? It wasn't working as well as I had expected. I said to Miles at Brickhouse, can you guys put together a real food, fruit and vegetable alternative? In other words, grind up the real stuff, blueberries, raspberries, you know, put some green tea in there, uh, some prebiotics. Can you put together real fruits and vegetables, ground up real food? I don't want crappy extracts. I don't want anything. I want real ground up food. 
They suck the water out of it and they put real ground up kale, the kinds of stuff you're never going to get. You'd be able to eat in your diet. And they did it. And it tastes delicious. It's called Field of Greens. It is your fruit and vegetable insurance. And I feel amazing since I've started taking it. It is wonderful stuff. The reviews on it are spectacular. Go to Miles' website, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. You can read some of the reviews. Its product is called Field of Greens. I can't recommend it highly enough. You know, you want to superpower it, throw it in some green tea, throw it in some orange juice. It is just spectacular. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Field of Greens. You will get the power of fruits and vegetables in a, in a, in a, in a powder, and it is real food. Real food. The key to health and vitality is a voluminous uh, consumption of fruits and vegetables. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of Field of Greens today. Okay, a major, major story uh, about Obamacare, which given everything going on with North Korea, Joe, Spygate and everything else, uh, it's gotten lost. The Department of Justice, in a, and I was a little stunned, to be honest with you, I didn't expect this, will not defend Obamacare in court. What does that mean? What happened? There is a 20-state lawsuit against Obamacare. It's a little complicated, but I'm going to distill it down to the takeaway here. The individual mandate in Obamacare, in other words, when Obamacare was passed, it said you all have to have health care. You have to have health care either through your employer or through the individual market, and if you don't, you would be fined. Now, that fine, the penalty as it's referred to in Obamacare, most constitutional conservatives who understand the constitution said, well, that can't be constitutional. The government can't fine you for not buying it, for not doing something. It doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. for not buying a product. What's next? Are they going to fine you for not eating broccoli too? So when Obamacare went to the Supreme court, that was one of the hinge moments, Joe, and conservatives were optimistic because we had, you know, uh, we, we figured it was going to be five, four, that this was a ground ball case. That the Obamacare penalty for not having insurance, we're clear, right, mm-hmm. was unconstitutional. Yeah. Well, in an amazing act of judicial ledger domain, I mean, John Roberts, who was appointed as a relatively conservative uh, originalist, construction constructionist, um, Roberts does a dipsy-do flipperoo. And the conservative appointed judge by the Bush administration turns around and says, well, the penalty's not really a penalty. It's a tax. So it's A-OK. Everybody was. And Obamacare, of course, was allowed to proceed. And the Supreme Court did not overturn um, portions of Obamacare. Conservatives were horrified. A lot of to many of you, that's old news. Some of you who just started following my show recently, it may not have been. We were disappointed by John Roberts big time. The case, he rewrote the law. Now, remember, another interesting part about this is, and this is what's fascinating, this is what really ticked off a lot of conservatives. When Obama himself gave an interview to George Stephanopoulos of uh, ABC, Obama himself said, when Stephanopoulos, to his credit, Stephanopoulos confronted him and said, well, Mr. Obama, isn't this a tax, this penalty? What did Obama say, Joe? No, it's not a tax. I'm not making this up. Obama himself said it wasn't a tax. Joe, why do you think he said that? Because he, you know, it was it was election time, right. he had midterms, and and he didn't no one wants to go right. on the record saying they were taxing the American people. So Obama himself goes, no, 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 it's not a tax. Not a tax, Joe. Oh, not a tax. Maybe I'll pull that soundbite next yeah, week. I remember Stephanopoulos kind of walked him through the answer. Or yeah, we've yeah. had this soundbite before. <laughs> yeah. We played it a thousand times, but that's why I didn't do it today. But maybe yeah. I'll play it again tomorrow, something like that. But Stephanopoulos, yeah, like walked him through it to coach yeah. him almost. And Obama's <laughs> like, Yeah, it's not a tax. The Obama administration, I'm not making this up, then goes to court, their solicitor general, and defends the penalty saying, no, no, it's constitutional because it's not a penalty, it's a tax. Folks, if you're saying that doesn't make sense, yes, you're right. Obama said it was a tax, and Obama's solicitor general says, uh, no, Obama said it wasn't a tax, his solicitor general says it was a tax. That actually happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, it's amazing because the court system now uses Trump's words in the campaign when he wasn't even the president against them when it comes to the uh, the travel ban. Remember that? Well, this is what mm-hmm. Trump said during the campaign. Yeah, but that's not in the travel ban. It doesn't matter. That's what Trump said. Obama, while he was the president, actually said it wasn't a tax while he argued in court that it was a tax, the penalty. And Roberts inexplicably says, yes, it's a tax, uh, which... Again, drove people crazy. So 20 states sued. 
They sued because now that in Trump's tax cut bill with the Republicans in Congress, the tax cut plan, Joe, there was a portion of that which repealed the individual mandate. Now, follow me here. No individual mandate means no penalty, which means no tax, which means that other portions of the law are not constitutional either because there's no tax. And if there's no tax behind it, there's no other. So that other portions of it have to be severed too, including the, uh, the, the, the their ability to the insurance companies to, to price their products based on health status, which is just common sense. I'm sorry, but if you're sicker, you, you have to pay more because you're, it's going to cost. Somebody's got to pay for it. And the pre-existing conditions as well, which the states have programs for that already. Most of them did. Bottom line is this. No penalty. It was taken out with the tax law. No tax. No law. So the Obama administration, which loved this and loved this little setup they had where they could play this uh, word game, this euphemisms game with the tax or the penalty, is now finding itself the former Obama administration, in a pickle because the Trump administration will not defend it in court. The 20 states are saying, hey, there's no more Obamacare. That's it for this part of it. The Medicaid expansion will still exist and everything like that. And the DOJ, ordinarily the government would defend its own law. The DOJ, nice job again. Department of Justice, again, at least for, I get it. I get the whole other part, but good job by the Sessions DOJ. Nope, we're not going to defend it. Now, you may be saying, wow, that's great. So Obamacare's gone. Well, it's not that simple, folks. Um, other, it turns out that other states, you know, well, who do you think the other states are, Joe? New York, California, Illinois are probably going to go to court and try to defend it. Um, so it doesn't just disappear overnight. Mm-hmm. But this is a positive first step towards slowly dismantling the worst health care piece of legislation in modern American history. It's a good first step. Yeah. You know, and, and January 1st of 2019, that penalty goes away. So if something's not done by that, pieces of Obamacare are going to fall apart as of January of this year. Um, I have two good pieces on this, one by Philip Klein of Washington Examiner in the show notes today. And I have another one uh, from the Daily Signal about, it's short, the Daily Signal one's short, so is the Washington Examiner one. But I strongly encourage you to read it. Stay up on the news on this. This is important. The Klein piece describes what I just told you, and the other piece describes how Democrats are trying to use this as an electoral thing now, Joe. Going, look, look, those Republicans' prices are going up, up to 91% in your state of Maryland, Joe, premiums. Mm. And they're saying it's because of this, because now we don't have people paying this penalty that can offset the cost for others. Meanwhile, the Daily Signal piece points out that that's not true. That that may be a small portion of it, but that's not the real reason that premiums are going up. And you may say, okay, Dan, well, why? Well, the reason is the costs are going up because people are dropping out and refusing to get Obamacare, individual mandate or not. In other words, whether I penalize Joe or not, Obamacare sucks so bad, Joe's Mm -hmm. not buying it. And if Joe doesn't buy Obamacare, who does buy Obamacare, Joe? Sick people. Yeah. Because it's so expensive, they're the only ones that benefit from it. And if only sick people are buying Obamacare, Joe, the insurance companies have to do what? Pay more money because sick people cost more. That's the death spiral. The fact that the individual mandate is there or not is only a small portion of this. It's so expensive that whether you penalize people or not, it's so expensive they're still not going to buy it. That's the point. The Democrats own this disaster. They own it. That's crystal clear. They designed this debacle. It is on them. It should be tattooed on their head. I voted for Obamacare. Okay. Uh, one final spam. He did good today. We got over. Oh, we got to do a lot of stuff. Good article by Stephen Moore in the Washington Times in the show notes today about another liberal excuse. By the way, I debated Chris Hahn on Judge Jeanine about the economy. It turns out Chris was wrong again. Obama handed Trump a 1.9% GDP growth rate. That's just a fact, folks. Trump took that and is now almost doubled it. And the predictions are next that this year we may get up to four, potentially 5% growth. Now, he was a little bit above uh, uh, three for a couple quarters, a little bit below in others, hovered around three. But the fact is, Obama handed Trump a crap economy. We know that. I like Chris. He's a, he's a friend, but he had the numbers wrong, which he often does. <laughs> Most liberals do. <laughs> they don't know the numbers, and they come on here and debate me without knowing the numbers. But now, Joe, the Democrats are running out of excuses to hammer Trump on the economy, and they don't want to give him credit. So, Joe, they're new their new storyline that's falling apart, their new old storyline is 
Well, Joe, it wasn't the Trump tax cuts that did this, that led to this booming economy, Joe. It was, quote, synchronized growth. In other words, euphemisms, the euphemism game, which the, you know, D.C. swamp rats love. Synchronized growth is, in, in other words, Trump didn't do it. The world economy was growing and Trump just basically rode their coattails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chucky. Thank you, Chucky. It's perfect time for Chucky there. The Stephen Moore is a piece saying, well, that's absolutely ridiculous because the IMF has just come out with a global growth report saying that global growth is slowing down dramatically, specifically in the EU and Japan, two of our largest trading partners. So if Trump is riding this wave of global growth, why isn't he riding it down? In other words, our economy is going up. The global growth rate is going down. The IMF is not a right-leaning organization, okay, folks? So you're, they, they cannot, they simply cannot stop with the excuses. Obama did it. He didn't. He handed him a 1.9% growth rate. Trump immediately nearly doubled that. He did not, Obama, hand Trump a motoring economy. Secondly, oh, he was just riding this wave of global growth. What, down? Global growth is going down. Our economy is going up. Cut the nonsense, you clowns. You're just making it up. Read the piece by Stephen Moore. It's pretty good. And one more thing. I have a piece in the Washington Examiner today about Devin Nunez, who is still looking for information from the DOJ about the use of the spy in the Stefan Halper case. I only bring that up. And if you read the Washington Examiner report, you'll find it interesting. Because remember, Joe, Trey Gowdy and Paul Ryan told us they've seen the documents and the FBI did it by the book, Joe. That's fascinating because Nunez is out today saying, hey, maybe you should show us the documents everybody else alleges they've already seen. Read the piece by the Washington Examiner. It's pretty good. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Go check out the Chum Store at Bongino.com. We have some new shirts and mugs and other stuff in there. So go check it out under the Chum Store. We love the Chum Store at Bongino.com. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes uh, and iHeartRadio and SoundCloud. We really appreciate it. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks a lot. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.